August 18th, 1590. John White leads two ships to the shores of Roanoke Island off the coast of modern-day North Carolina from England. Through the voyage, they'd been heckled by privateers, hindered by violent storms, and caught in the middle of the war between Spain and England, but had pressed on, led by John White's sheer will. It would have made sense to turn back and try again when there was better weather and more firepower had been acquired, but John White could not wait. Three years earlier, he had settled a colony on Roanoke Island and returned to England for emergency food, only to be kept there for two years longer than initially planned. To add to this, he had personal stock in the island colony. His daughter and son-in-law, Eleanor and Aninus Dare, had been two of the 117 settlers, and three years earlier, they'd had a child on the island. John had become a grandfather, and had abandoned them in order to try to bring them the supplies they desperately needed. Now, three years later, John White was finally back on the shores of Roanoke Island with all the needed supplies. As he disembarked, he was encouraged to see fresh footprints on the beach, but as he neared the settlement, he realized something was terribly wrong. As he entered the settlement, he found it empty. And not only was it empty, it seemed that it had been purposefully left. The houses had been meticulously dismantled, and the belongings of John had been buried for safekeeping as he had ordered in case the settlers had to relocate. There was no sign of conflict, no sign of rushed evacuation, and no documents or directions to lead John to a location. It was like they'd all just vanished into thin air, save for one word written on a palisade. Croatoan. Welcome to the show, everybody. The show is Tanner Talks about stuff that happened, and as is customary, I am Tanner, and I'm going to be talking about some stuff that happened. If you've been with me for a while, welcome back to the show. If you are a new listener here, here's a quick crash course on how I do things around here. I am not here to give you a four-hour history lesson. I am only here to give you a brief detailing of the events that took place so you have a general idea so you can go off into the world with this general knowledge and be able to spark some conversation with some lovely person who you want to impress with some random knowledge that you have. That's why I do this podcast. I do not do it with the intention of being the be-all, end-all of history podcast. This is my specific format. So, I hope you enjoy the show. If you do enjoy the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and drop me a five-star review and let me know what you think about the podcast. That would mean the world to me. So, uh, again, thank you for being a listener. And if you are new, welcome. If you are returning, welcome back. Let's get right into this. We are talking today about the lost colony of Roanoke Island, just off the coast of North Carolina. And... The origins of this Roanoke colony can be traced back to 1585. Technically, they can be traced back a little bit further, but 1585 is when this starts in earnest, because this is when an English gentleman by the name of Walter Raleigh is given partial governorship of the new colony of Virginia by Queen Elizabeth I, British Queen Elizabeth I, under the condition that he establish a permanent settlement there by 1591. 
So Walter Raleigh wasted no time. He came up with 600 expeditioners, mostly military men, and he intended to take them to this new land to survey the land and evaluate the natural resources that he could exploit from there, with half of the expeditioners intended to stay in a permanent settlement to wait for a second wave of settlers that would come a few months later. But the expedition was doomed almost from the get-go. Within days of the seven-ship expedition sailing from Plymouth, England, it was battered with raging storms and one of the smaller supply ships actually sank barely after leaving English waters, with another larger ship called the Tiger becoming separated from the group. Now, a rendezvous point had been set up in the Caribbean where the rest of the fleet intended to regroup with the Tiger, but when the Tiger arrived, it was at the southern coast of Puerto Rico, it only met up with one other vessel. The rest had elected instead to head straight to the colony, and the miscommunication caused a breakup in the supply chain. It wasn't until a month and a half later that the Tiger decided to head to the colony to try to find the other ships that had never really shown up, and on the way, it ran aground, losing much of its supplies in the ensuing panic. After it was repaired enough to sail again, the ship finally hobbled into the area of the colony, reuniting with the rest of the fleet, where they landed in Roanoke around the beginning of August, five months after initially setting out from England. With far less provisions than expected, only a third of the colonists initially intended to stay in the New World were able to be supported, and the rest returned to England. I mean, it'd be fine, right? Well, wrong. Walter Raleigh had a militaristic mindset. He came into this expecting to dominate the land. He intended to eliminate all threats to his colonies, and this included the Native Americans. And in just a few months following the establishment of the first colony on Roanoke, things deteriorated significantly between Raleigh's colony and the natives. By June of the next year, they had to be evacuated in order to preserve their lives. The colony was abandoned, save for three brave souls who preferred to stay behind. And, as you may expect, those three were never heard from again. Skip to 1587, and a second settlement has been approved by the British Crown, this time led by explorer, artist, and cartographer John White. 115 citizens had volunteered to become colonists on Roanoke Island with hopes of becoming landed gentry. It's a definition time. What is landed gentry? Well, here it is. Landed gentry. The landed gentry, or simply the gentry, is a largely historical British social class consisting of landowners who, who could live entirely from rental income or at least had a country estate. While the story of the religiously persecuted Christians is famous in the United States, and that's kind of what we founded much of our religious principle on, this is the most prominent reason people chose a life of colonization in the Americas. Basically, when it comes down to it, landed gentry were people who owned land and could basically live off of that land who were not farmers. That's, that's basically it. So the fleet departed England on May 8th, 1587, and the first ship anchored at a barrier island called Croatoan Island, about 30 miles south of Roanoke Island on July 22nd of the same year. This was led by John White. By July 25th, the rest of the ships had arrived and all colonists disembarked on Roanoke Island. The ruins of the camp that had been built less than two years earlier were obvious, but the houses had all been dismantled and nature had reclaimed them. The colonists found a single set of bones on the land to welcome their arrival. It was not ideal, to say the least. 
Now, it didn't take long for John White to realize that he had a tall order, because only a few days after the arrival of the colonists, one of the colonists, named George Howe, was killed by natives as he was looking for crabs on the seashore. John quickly understood that the previous Europeans had not gone to great lengths to try to establish friendly relations with the natives, so he had to act fast. John organized a peace party, led by one of his assistants along with a friendly native named Menteo, to travel to the nearby Croatan tribe, and let them know that the Europeans were different than the ones the Croatan had met before, and came peacefully, wishing to coexist with them. The Croatan were receptive to the peace party, and, and they let the colonists know that George Howe had not been killed by the Croatan, but instead had been the victim of a coalition of tribes led by the Dusamungpunk tribe and a chief named Wanchese. Now, Wanchese is a interesting character, and his motives for attacking the colonists go beyond defending his homeland. Get a load of this. In 1584, the first initial exploration of the land before even Walter Raleigh came along, uh, explorers encountered Wanchese and our friend Manteo, and through extensive deliberation, they invited them to accompany the English back to England to help explain the conditions of the new world. Wanchese and Manteo decided they would come, and the two natives were a sensation in England, and after, after several court dates where they helped describe the land, they were returned to Roanoke in 1586. However, this is where things go separate ways. These two natives took a different approach to the arrival of John White's party. Manteo had grown fond of the Europeans. He loved the adventure of the voyage to England and the exciting new people he encountered. So when new Europeans arrived on the shores, he went out to meet them, introducing them to his tribe, the Croatan. Wanchese, however, was less than thrilled. He had seen the Europeans, gotten to know them and lived with them, and seen their selfish ways. He wanted nothing to do with them anymore and advised his tribe, the Dusamungpunk, to drive them from the shores of Roanoke Island at all costs. John White learned of all this, and he decided that negotiation would have to wait. Instead, he ordered for a preemptive strike on the Dusamungpunk to let them know that the English settlers would not be intimidated by their tactics, and several days later, a group of men attacked a Dusamungpunk village, killing two natives they found. But disaster struck. Fearing the retribution of the Europeans by the murder of George Howe, the Dusamungpunk had actually abandoned this village that they attacked and retreated further inland. The natives that had been killed were only looting the abandoned village. They were not Dusamungpunk. They were both members of the Croatan tribe, the very tribe that the Europeans had been working with. It was a catastrophe. While Manteo frantically attempted to smooth out the relations between the colonists and the natives, the Europeans returned to their camp and decided to move further inland as well, away from the native camp, in an attempt to show their non-aggression. Panicked, the colonists also convinced John White to return to England to plead with the government to send additional forces and supplies to protect them and soften their difficult endeavor. John White reluctantly agreed, and as the colonists moved inland, he left for England. John arrived in England on November 5th, 1587, and planned immediately to return to Roanoke as soon as possible. Unfortunately, the war between the English and the Spanish was reaching a fever pitch, with reports of a Spanish armada becoming more prevalent by the day. If you've listened to the Spanish armada episode I released earlier, you'll know what I'm talking about. Queen Elizabeth forbade any able-bodied ship from leaving English waters in order to participate in the coming climactic battle. Frustrated, 
John White found two small ships that he reasoned to be unsuitable for combat, which he was permitted to use to return to Roanoke. In April of 1588, he set out, but the ships were attacked by French pirates who killed more than two dozen of his crew and looted all supplies meant for the Roanoke colony. Remember how he grabbed these two ships because they were unsuitable for battle? Yeah, well, didn't really work in his favor. Empty-handed, John returned to England, and Elizabeth's restrictions went into effect long into 1589, a year later, and after his last debacle with the French pirates, John knew he needed some kind of firepower to defend himself on a long journey. In the end, there was nothing he could do until 1590. Finally, that year, John White arranged passage to Roanoke Island with a convoy of privateering ships headed for the Caribbean, intending to raid Spanish outposts there. Two of the six ships would split off from the main group to drop John at his colony with plenty of supplies and then head back to the Caribbean. So, on August 12th, 1580, the two ships arrived at the barrier island of Croatan, where they spent the night aboard their ships. They noticed some plumes of smoke rising from the island, and in the next few days, they investigated the plumes, only to find nothing. On August 15th, they spotted a plume of smoke rising from Roanoke Island, and John White was overjoyed. Three days later, they had made arrangements to make landfall, and on August 18th, John White finally stepped ashore on Roanoke Island. He saw fresh footprints in the sand and was encouraged by them. Leading an expedition into the woods of the island, he encountered the outer palisade of his settlement, but something was wrong. It was quiet. Silent. On August 18th, 1590, his granddaughter's third birthday... John White returned to Roanoke Island to find his beloved colony completely deserted. We're going to have a word from our sponsors, but when we come back, we're going to investigate what really happened to the, to the lost colony on Roanoke Island. John set about investigating the disappearance for any sign of what happened to the settlers. Before he'd left, he had ordered that if the colony was to depart for a different location, they were to bury his things in a certain location in order to protect them. John checked the location, and sure enough, his things had been meticulously buried exactly where he'd requested, but they'd been looted, and his belongings were scattered across the settlement. Also before he left, John instructed the colonists to dismantle their houses before departing if they were to relocate, and as ordered, all houses within the palisade had been purposefully and carefully dismantled. Last, John had asked that if the colony were to relocate, they were to leave a message inscribed on a palisade or tree to let him know where they'd gone, and if it was a forced evacuation due to outside threats, the colonists were to inscribe a Maltese cross next to the message. After searching for a moment, two inscriptions were found in the palisade. One had three letters, C-R-O, and the other said Croatoan, likely referencing Croatoan Island, the barrier island that John White's crew had explored only days before. But there was not a Maltese cross anywhere to be found, meaning the colonists had not been forced out. At least that's what the messages said. What happened? To say that John was puzzled would be, I imagine, a gross understatement. Why had his colonists just up and left and where had they gone? 
It was unlikely they'd gone to Croatoan Island, because his crew had been there only days before, only to find no sign of life really anywhere. Besides a single fire column that had led to a fruitless expedition, and obviously they'd left without the threat of death at their backs. Because the houses had been dismantled and John's things had been buried, signaling that they had plenty of time to make the decision to leave. But where had they gone? Eventually, John returned to England empty-handed and lived the rest of his life not knowing what happened to his people, or his daughter, his son-in-law, and his granddaughter. It wasn't until 1607, 17 years later, that anyone got a possible lead on what happened to the colonists at Roanoke, and it was a total accident. After the famous explorer John Smith was captured by the Powhatan tribe, after the settlement of Jamestown, Virginia, his captors revealed to him that they knew of two settlements. One where the people wore strange European clothing, and the other featured walled houses. They drew him a crude map which seemed to mirror the North Carolina coastline, and the settlements in question seemed in proximity to where the Roanoke colony had disappeared. Upon his arrival back at Jamestown, John Smith organized two search parties to travel to these locations in an attempt to find the lost colonists, but nothing ever came of those expeditions. They didn't find anything. In 1609, it's documented in the minutes of England's Royal Council for Virginia, which is you know, the government of Virginia at the time, that someone reported the 1587 colonists to have been massacred by the Native Americans. But unfortunately, the document doesn't detail who offered this information or how they came to the knowledge of it. But another curious development may hold the answer to what happened to the Roanoke colony. So at this point, there have been people who said, we know of villages that have European people and people who have walled houses, which Native Americans did not have. And we've also had someone say, no, all of the people of Roanoke were massacred by the Indians. Now, here's another development. Sometime between 1701 and 1709, explorer John Lawson encountered a group of natives called the Hatteras people. Upon further investigation, he learned that they used to be called the Croatan people, and the island in which they lived used to be called Croatoan. John Lawson lived with these people likely for a few weeks before he moved on. He was exploring much of North Carolina at the time. But in that time, he witnessed them wearing clothes that bore similarities to European clothing that other Native Americans did not have. He saw them practicing a strange form of what he interpreted to be Christianity. And most compelling, he noticed that many of the Hatteras people had gray eyes. Most Native Americans had brown eyes. Another curious tale that John Lawson relayed is that the natives reported a legendary ship that their ancestors had seen through the years, a ghost ship that they would call Walter Raleigh's ship. Now remember the guy who initially colonized Roanoke Island? Yes, his name was Walter Raleigh. Are you kind of putting the pieces that I'm trying to give you together? My hypothesis with all, with all of these pieces of evidence is that it's totally possible that the Roanoke colony assimilated with the Croatan people. I don't know that for sure, and I'm not going to say that I know exactly what happened to the Roanoke colony, but this is what I'm putting together here. 
there seems to be a lot of pieces of evidence that point toward the Roanoke colony assimilating with the Croatan people. Now, that doesn't explain the other strange towns that the Native Americans talked about, where they said that they wore European clothing and had walled houses. That doesn't explain that, and that doesn't really fit into this narrative. And it also doesn't explain why, when they initially landed at Croatan Island, Croatone Island, excuse me, they didn't find anyone on the island. Some of these pieces don't really fit together, but this seems plausible. Now, I'm not saying with absolute certainty, again, that the Roanoke people assimilated with the Croatan people on Croatoan Island, because there are still so many other stories that claim to be the truth of what really happened to them. And in 2011, another site was unearthed further inland where the colonists at Roanoke had decided to travel immediately prior to John White's departure back to England. Now, they very well may have traveled to that location and been attacked by the Native Americans, who they obviously weren't on great terms with at the time. But... Over the last four centuries, numerous people have reported their revolutionary findings and said, I know what happened to the Roanoke colony. From new artifacts being found to uncovered stories of pale Native Americans further inland. But in all reality, we may just never truly know what happened to the 117 colonists on Roanoke Island. It seems that they just up and disappeared, leaving almost no trace of where they went. And why do I tell you this story right now in October? Because sometimes reality is more spooky than any ghost story. That's going to do it for this week on Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, we got a lot more episodes planned for you guys for the rest of October, and I am so pumped to get into all of them. So stay tuned. I'll be back next Sunday with a new episode, and I will catch you all next week.